Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to Eric Chen, who is the CEO of Injective Labs. And we're going to be talking about what Injective Labs does in the uh, cryptocurrency space. So first off, Eric, how are you today? Thanks a little bit delay. Obstacle, obstacle number one, unmute. Yeah, that's no problem. You're not the only one that's ever been caught on that. Uh, whereabouts are you located, Eric? Yeah, so uh, I'm currently in Denver for a conference, but uh, generally located in New York. Okay, okay. How's the weather out in Denver? Um, actually warmer than New York, so that's surprising. That's that's a good deal. I'm um, normally up in the uh, the Pacific Northwest, but I'm down in Arizona right now, so enjoying the sunshine down here. Hey, Eric, I mean, want to jump kind of right into this. Uh, you're 23 years old, and you're the CEO of Injective Labs. Can you tell me tell us a little bit about your you know your background and and how did how did it come about that you are running a a company that's, uh, I, I you know a, a an exchange for cryptocurrencies. Yeah, uh, I mean, j just to clarify, right? Like Injective Lab is just a software development firm. So it's not really running an exchange per se, it's just building cool blockchain softwares. And and that's really kind of how my background lies, uh, where my background lies and kind of where I got started, which is doing a lot of crypto uh, cryptography research, uh, protocol research back in college. And later on joined a fund in terms of um, focusing mainly on market neutral strategies uh, and cryptocurrency markets. And then, you know, did some uh, investments here and there uh, with the fund as well. And that was kind of my initial foray into crypto. And in the meantime, you know, before I started Injective Labs, I was also spending a lot of time uh, contributing anonymously to open source softwares and just trying out really cool products on top of um, Ethereum and so forth. And so that's kind of why it became the final push for me to go into crypto full time. Okay, awesome. Hey, I'm just so we, you know, we get my understanding straight and get my terminology correct. Um, I was under the impression that uh, Injective Labs is um, an exchange, okay, and that you have some, you have a, you, a, over one billion dollars in trading volume in your first thirty days. Is is that completely erroneous? Um, so basically, Injective Labs is a blockchain development company and mm -hmm. it builds software that eventually became uh, Injective Chain. And then naming convention should probably improve later on. Um, so basically Injective Chain is this fully decentralized um, uh, blockchain that has this entire ecosystem of uh, exchange products and so forth. And that is accurate that uh, it did, uh, I, I would say it's probably 4 billion now, but it, it, it uh, within the launch of the first 30 days, it recorded around 1 billion. Okay, so I mean, there's so many different areas in crypto and blockchain, and um, and this sounds kind of like a an area that's relatively new to me, probably to some of our listeners. Walk me through your business model, or walk us through your business model. Yeah, so there are quite a few lines, uh, especially for Injective Labs, is that uh, Injective Lab hosts uh, Injective Pro Exchange Interface, which is kind of this application on top of uh, Injective Chain. And so basically all the users going through the chain itself uh, pays around 40% of the trading fees to the Injective uh, Exchange front end, um, Injective Pro Exchange front end. And on top of that, there's all, uh, obviously a lot of grants and uh, kind of these services are provided for development and contributing to kind of uh, core blockchain softwares that really 
kind of uh, contribute a lot of revenue stream for Injective Labs. Okay, and I, I noticed in the um, the notes for this, I, I, and also I believe it was on your site that it says that um, your platform is controlled by users and all new markets are chosen by users. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, on the platform, um, which is uh, Injective Chain, all market listings and all the discovery and decision of new markets are very much user curated and user uh, decided. And so basically there's a whole DAO structure and governance structure where users get to vote on every single new market listing. And there's also, you know, kind of like an instant listing feature that has a small kind of economic gate uh, for user to create a new market uh, instantly. And that can also uh, uh, basically create a permissionless mar uh, market creation process. Okay. And from what I understand, you collect zero revenue from your users or, or any fees that are generated are distributed back to the users? Um, so basically there are revenue or value capture on the protocol, which is the trading fee. It's it kind of acts also as a gate for basically new markets and basically to feed this value to you know all the ecosystem participants that make this market happen to provide liquidity on top of it and on top of that there's a, a very i would say at the at the moment minuscule amount of uh, gas that are uh, being charged to a user for you know interacting with the blockchain just like all blockchain networks okay so if i if i was looking at your platform and community um, and i was looking at some of the alternatives why would I go towards Injective Labs and, and your trading platform? Yeah, so I would say that for a general user, right, um, especially if you're new to the crypto space or, you know, like, uh, or, or you had a few months of experience with it, you're really looking at probably Coinbase, Binance, and so forth. And those options are great, especially as kind of the first step. But one thing you're, you're going to eventually notice is that Coinbase can just take away your funds um they, they can you know deny your order and you're not really capturing the best liquidity for the entire uh crypto ecosystem and so for for, for that to be uh, um, fully utilized and for for you to really access to all all the possibilities uh within the crypto space first of all you want to have complete control over your own funds um you don't want to uh, delegate that uh, uh um kind of capital or asset to an exchange to uh, hold for you. And there has been numerous historical incidents of hacks um, and basically exchange sometimes even like just exit scam where the user funds are just completely gone as a result. And on top of that, um, just in general, um, basically uh, decentralized exchanges often go um, go down and also um, they have you know service failures um, and basically you don't know who your counterparty is it might be you know someone who's manipulating the market and so forth so it's really really important to have a fully transparent uh, kind of this uh, address mapping where the order book everyone knows exactly uh, what that order belongs to and who's placing those orders and so then you have a complete understanding and uh, data availability for every single participant within the market and to understand that uh, and you know more transparency will give the user overall a lot more confidence whether it's a latent effect or immediate effect okay let's let's assume that um you know i i'm on a platform like coinbase and you know i mean what you're talking about is i i need to get my own wallet um and put my put my currency my coins in into my wallet and then i can trade through an exchange like yours is, is that 
accurate? Uh, exactly. Okay. So at what point would you recommend that somebody make that move? Sooner versus later or when they get to a certain percentage of their, their assets or their portfolio size? So I would say uh, for the ease of use, especially for a new user who um, has mostly you know fiat or other assets that are not crypto native, um, basically within a single digit percentage, it probably makes sense uh, within a single digit percentage of your you know, liquid capital or like your asset, it probably still makes sense to stay within a centralized uh, exchange just because of the user experience. But as soon as you go over that level, um, you run the risk of um, having your funds stolen, hacked and so forth. And that's actually a very, very critical issue because um, you know, like, like especially for historical uh, instance, like there were KuCoin hacks and there were like a chain of hacks re, uh, for the past year, you know, for some of the lower exchanges. Um, and th those are, you know, immediate, th those result in immediate loss of uh, user funds. They often take a haircut. And, you know, recently uh, Bitfinex actually, actually recovered that $3 billion uh, uh, worth of uh, Bitcoin. And that actually took the users, you know, years and years uh, um, uh, of waiting to even recover them. So, yeah, I mean, so, that's going to be an interesting one, too, because uh, I, I believe that many of those account holders or users actually received some type of compensation from um, the exchange. But the the question is, is now do they get their coins back or does the exchange get to hold the coins or, you know, what's going to happen? Because the coins have obviously gone up massively in value, right? So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, to kind of jump off topic for a second, but it is kind of fascinating. So actually, yes, that, that's a very interesting point. So um, the way they did it, um, obviously, uh, I'm not the expert on that particular insta uh, incident, is that they released a token to compensate the users. Uh, it's called the Leo token, um, which is, I guess, the equivalent of like BNB for Binance. And the way it works is that they have a promise to buy back those Leo tokens um, using the proceed from the stolen Bitcoin uh, or to you know re recover stolen Bitcoin, um, so they're not distributing back to the users. They're just using it to buy the uh, Leo token. Um, so so first of all, you know th there's a little bit of transparency issue here because you know no one knows you know how much is being purchased and how fast it's being purchased. Um, and second of all, over uh, uh, overall, you know like, at the end of the day, the user isn't getting the Bitcoin back. They're just getting a token that may appreciate in value as a result. Right, right. Um, I one of the I guess most interesting examples that I I kind of am aware of is the um, the exchange in Japan. Was it Mount Gok? Correct. Where the 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 I, I don't know if he was the owner or the CEO, the basically the guy who was running the exchange. Um, the exchange cashed everybody out. They paid them for the the nominal dollar amount of what the Bitcoin was worth when they lost it. He recovered it a few years later and 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 basically owned all that recovered coin um, and instantly became worth at that point it was close to a billion dollars. So it, it, I mean some interesting things going on. Um, and obviously, which leads into the discussion of of security. So step number one you're saying is once you re, you know once your um, crypto uh, crypto holdings equal one percent of your net worth or more, you should definitely look at getting your own wallet set up. Um, and in what steps would you take or what would you suggest would be the best way to do that? 
Yeah, first of all, definitely, you know, diversify the hardware wallet holding. Um, you know, don't put all of your crypto assets into one hardware wallet, especially because there are risks that there could be a manipulated or um, kind of tinker with uh, a ledger wallet and those incidents have happened before. So diversify your uh, uh, hardware wallet options to make sure that your holdings are spread out throughout, you know, multiple like secure locations. And to be honest, at the end of the day, um, the most secure, ironically speaking, <laughs> wallet uh, solution is a paper wallet. Okay, walk walk us through that process. You know, because I I know that you and your community understand how a paper wallet works, but just kind of give us a quick overview here. Yeah, so paper wallet could be um, one of two things, right? It could just store the mnemonic uh, phrase. Um, mm -hmm. So the, those twelve or like twenty four words, and that will basically use as an input for a, a local offline wallet, and basically, obviously, you know, ensure that the wallet. Uh, uh, wallet software is secure, of course, and then you get to you know uh, send transactions, whether it's on Ethereum and you know a variety of other uh, uh, blockchains as well, including Bitcoin, of course. And so that ensures that you know during this entire action uh, interaction, you're not touching the internet. No one can really uh, access um, your keys. Um, it's only being uh, stored in a local device. Um, and so you know the issue with the uh, Ledger wallet and um, all those hardware wallets that there is a chance, um, by pretty small, that there could be some um, um, kind of like day zero exploits or uh, some some other security threats that could cause uh, these hardware wallets to be completely compromised. And on another hand, um, basically, you know, the entire interaction of uh, signing um, also requires kind of like a software in the middle and also. Um, for for a lot of layers, um, basically, it's it's uh, hardware wall is not the only kind of uh, place where it could be attacked. You got me scared. Yeah. <laughs> so so okay, we um step one is diversify off of uh you know and, and and get into either a couple different or a variety of of hardware wallets or go to a paper wallet, um and. And then, then when I have my 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 crypto into the wallet of my choice, if I wanted to use a platform like yours, then what's the next step? Yeah. So basically, right now, um, for Injective Pro, um, the relay are operated by us. The supporter wallets are MetaMask, um, most of the Ethereum-based wallets, and also a hardware wallet, which is Ledger. Um, so basically, for for uh, uh, for it to work. You just need to connect your wallet, you know, to the interface, and then um, the signing process will just happen on your chosen wallet solution. And this is why also like um, keeping custody of your own coins, of your own keys, is very important because then you know exactly, you know, what you're signing, the message that you're granting, um, the transactions that you're processing, and you know that for a fact that you're interacting intimately on chain rather than, you know, giving these instructions to a server that may or may not have uh, liveness or, you know, even some bugs that could uh, misplace your stuff. Okay. Is there, is there any opportunity if I'm using um, one of these wallet solutions and I go on to Injective Pro and I want to execute a trade, is there, what are the vectors for potential attack or or you know, there, maybe there are none, or maybe there are you know some contingencies that you've already planned for. But what what do I need to be concerned about in terms of okay, I'm going to use this platform, 
uh, to to do my trading. What what are the opportunities for some a hack or some type of interruption to happen there? I think all in all, like the uh, the most important thing would be in verifying the domain um, and you know kind uh, kind of making sure that this is indeed the website that you're interacting with. Um, I, I would say that that's certainly the most important part because there's a lot of websites and you know crypto applications that are currently undergoing a lot of scammers and attacks um, from these type of like kind of like almost like a pineapple website where uh, uh, they just like look and feel the exact same except the transaction messages and so forth are um, you know like uh, sending money to someone else. So right. on top of that, um, two pra- uh, another really important practice is to look at the transaction message that you're signing um, because generally it's a i would say pretty readable um json format that you can just verify it's like oh like this is indeed what i'm doing and this is actually quite important because um basically people generally have this habit of just signing messages without even thinking twice and obviously it's not a sustainable solution long term Okay, so when you say it's in a JSON format, are you are are you at the point right now that in in order to use your platform to trade, you do need to have some type of development or coding background, or are you are you at the point where somebody like me with no real coding background can go on and set up account and start trading? I mean, or are you going to evolve to that point? Background is not required. Um, uh, this is mainly for a point that you know uh, verified domain. Um, mm-hmm. That's the first type of you know uh, good practice, I guess. Yeah. Um, and if you have a little bit of coding background, and honestly, like JSON format isn't that hard to read because you're just looking at you know uh, at the end of the day that they're so like human readable like right. uh, words, right? So you don't have to understand the structure of it. You just have to see you know what message you're actually signing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, um, that is for kind of like the second step where like you you want to make sure. Um, so I, I would say like. You know, like for a general user, verify a domain. For seasoned user, uh, verify a JSON. Okay, okay. Now I, I want to keep going through this process because it's interesting to me, and it's it, it's something that I that, that I'm going to do. Um, so I, I've got my my wallet set up. I put my my crypto into them. I've set up an account on uh, on Injective Pro, uh, and I, I want to do my I've, I've verified the domain, uh, and, and I've you know set up my first trade. How do I tell? Because like if I'm using Coinbase, for example, I can see you know what the commission's going to be, what the what the the offer, the buy sell rate is, everything like that. How do I see um, on Injective Pro in terms of is it just who's offering? You just see all offers, or the do, can you organize them by you know how how does that work? Yeah. So basically, different uh, exchange front ends um, or. Mm-hmm. You know, like these applications on top of the injective chain can display the markets so they choose. Um, and okay. this creates this tailor experience for users. Um, I think so far there's like around five of these uh, uh, exchange applications on top of the injective chain. Um, so basically, you know, some of them can offer perpetual only markets, some of them could offer, you know, prediction markets, some of them could offer uh, community specific, like Terra based markets and so forth. So that's uh, uh, the first step will be, you know, for you to pick the exchange that you want. And Injective Pro is more of a, you know, more generalized um, interface where it just displays most of markets that has sufficient liquidity for user to interact on. And 
So practically speaking, yes, you go on Injector Pro. Um, you can see most markets that you can trade. Okay, and then I, I select a market. It's going to have its own UI. Um, I'm going to go through and, and go through and make my trade. Um, and one of the issues that I have, like with if I'm using an online brokerage for stocks, uh, or and I and I don't know what the cryptocurrencies, but for example, if I'm if I'm buying or selling stock. They will they will sell you the they will show you you know the outstanding um, sell the outstanding offers to buy um, and and you don't know if you're ever actually getting the best price um, because there's obviously there's opportunities for front running um, there's you you just you're kind of at the mercy of the exchange and they're gonna they can they can manipulate the trade to kind of take a cut on in addition to their commission they can they can manipulate the the trade how does it work in in this environment your environment can yeah, i so see the exact offer and i get it for that exact price yeah so that's not going to happen like like all the issues you described uh for brokerage model that's yeah. not happen on uh, injector pro and simply for the reason that you first of all you can set up a market order with a worse price so if it uh, if the execution ended up being worse than that price, you can just uh, stop it. And uh, on another hand, the entire order book is, you know, uh, displayed in front of you, so you know exactly what are the uh, liquidity levels uh, at each price level. You know what is the expected ex uh, execution cost and so forth. And more importantly, front running is impossible due to the chain mechanics of uh, injector chain because there's a end blocker ex uh, execution without going too much uh, details, but basically adopts a frequent batch auction model um, that you know matches everything at the end of a consensus round within that block. And on top of that, um, cancellation is processed before anything else. So you don't have to worry about your open orders getting caught um, during a, a market movement. Okay, and then so I execute a trade. Uh, I'm assuming that your you you know the uh, transaction times are, are relatively quick. I guess it depends on you know how I've submitted my art my my order. But if I if I want to buy something at the market or what the current offer is, I submit the order. The order happens. Um, again, now the crypto that I've either bought well that I let's assume it's a it's a buy is now back into my wallet. Correct. Yes, correct. Okay, so. At that point, I'm no longer dependent upon the exchange. Um, so if I'm using Coinbase, I do the trade, I'm still really dependent on Coinbase. They're holding my my, my coins, right? In, in this environment, I, I can walk away and I'd say, you know what, I don't care about the future viability of that market. Uh, I, I'm not worried about if I read the headlines tomorrow that says something, you know, hey, they, they had a hack or this or that or the other. As long as I've got the coins in my wallet, we should be all good. Is that is that a correct assumption? Yeah, that is correct because it's a non-custodial uh, platform. Excellent. Okay, so you're selling me on this. I'm I'm warming up to the idea. I like it. Um, so you you do mention that um, that again. I think we touched on this earlier that you know developers have an opportunity to create new markets. What what types of new markets are you seeing? Yeah. So so far it's been um, kind of a vanilla. Um, market proposal that are going on um, just because you know like the community and everyone are just warming up to this market creation process so they're starting off with the more you know obvious ones so i think there are currently four perpetual swaps market 
and uh, you know like 10 or so uh, spot markets uh, live on the injective chain. And obviously over time, as they're more and more um, well-versed within the market creation process, there's so much more interesting markets that can be explored. Um, so during the testnet phase, um, we just went ahead and just experimented with a lot of those interesting uh, markets, for example, you know, like uh, commodity futures, um, uh, staking derivatives, um, you know, like floor price perpetuals, NFT perpetuals, um, and also a lot of uh, other interesting products, um, time expired futures and so forth, um, that uh, that basically was well tested and, you know, waiting for the community to uh, take a chance to explore. Yeah, now, so it's interesting because, I mean, you can build the exchange, but how do you encourage the traders because you know to 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 move their business over? Um, I mean, for me, if we just talk about the crypto, for example, it, it obviously makes sense. If there's if there's a, a large enough market there where I can buy and sell at you know at, at you know the, the, a reasonable, I guess for lack of a better word, rate, um, then it makes sense. But if I go and join this exchange and, you know, 99.9% of, of the, the whatever's being traded, then you mentioned futures, for example, is going to be on, you know, one of the more traditional exchanges. At what point, I mean, how do you bring traders over? Yeah, so, I mean, for, for our case, it's all about building, you know, the best possible software to support the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you know, within the chain level, and there's obviously a lot more uh, participants within the ecosystem to make other components happen as well. Um, but first of all, you know, number one thing is getting liquidity, uh, getting those professional market makers and institutions to start providing those uh, very critical buy and sell side liquidity for any type of market. Um, and this way, basically for users that are exploring and looking for um, a strong uh, decentralized option for um, their trading habits or trading experience, um, then they'll find that, you know, like the liquidity will be superior compared to, you know, uh, some of the other counterparts as well. And the second um, more important uh, factor is uh, this incentivization cycle where, you know, oftentimes exchange tries to uh, price differentiate with the lower fees, better uh, discounts, um, you know, like interesting funding rates for professional swap markets um, and so forth. And just to create this, uh, incentive for people to really bring it on and sometimes you know there are also exchanges that kind of give up some uh, uh, upside for uh, the platform by you know uh, uh, I think incentivizing market makers to create a premium in the price so that people can uh, 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 people can just come on and you know trade as well um, I think for the injective chains case uh, basically there was a proposal to add like an on-chain mechanism um, to reward for every single uh, fee generation, which is a proxy for, you know, like trading volume. And so this allows for, you know, users to also be rewarded for um, kind of even just executing a successful trade. And that's actually been a huge incentivization for um, uh, growing so quickly because, um, you know, users are paying the fees and obviously um, uh, it, fees are never the best. Uh, for any user and but but right now you know like they get rewards that are more than the fee itself okay I, i'm just curious putting my business development hat on are there any platforms such as yours or maybe some of the you know the exchanges that have been built on on, on your platform 
or out in the marketplace that that go and approach, let's say, a, a traditional but tier two or tier three exchange and say, hey, look, you know, you're, you're tier two, tier three right now. Um, one way, one possible option for you to jumpstart the, the, you know, the players one and two would be to offer this decentralized exchange, you know, um, through the blockchain uh, to, to, you know, and, and, and basically you would reduce, I, I, ideally you might be able to reduce your overhead and then therefore obviously reduce fees. But because they already have a certain book of business, they're already, you know, market makers, they could instantly have that kind of critical mass to to um to a new exchange does does that make sense at all or does anybody have those kind of or do you guys have those kind of conversations yeah i mean like uh, the, uh that that is actually part of the incentive uh kind of mechanism as well which is to reward some of the uh folks who provide you know critical liquidity that surpasses a certain threshold and it's kind of like a monthly uh rewarding mechanism to make sure that uh these market makers are putting up capital, you know, risking on to provide these uh, liquidity. And yes, this is very, very common amongst um, pretty much all exchanges. Okay. And let me jump tracks again here. So um, I, I read in the, in the, in the brief that uh, the injective labs was incubated by Binance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm, I, I've heard that you have some other investors as well. Yeah. So how do how do your backers um, how do they gauge your performance? What are they looking at? What are the metrics that are most important at this stage in your development? Yeah, I would say um, generally speaking, um, especially for a protocol level and you know more being considered as I would say like a deep tech kind of uh, s uh, software company, it's really about you know like technical soundness. Um, basically uh, the development progress and the overall you know uh, architectural um, design because obviously you know our backers are generally um, folks uh, investors or you know uh, industry leaders within the space that has uh, that have very fundamental understanding and very critical understanding about like what might work and what might not work and for them it's really about you know investing into a critical piece of software uh, or a critical piece of protocol that will provide value overall. And for Binance's case, it's, you know, again, about, you know, uh, creating this uh, uh, or supporting projects or building decentralized exchanges and uh, decentralized uh, platform softwares um, to uh, basically, uh, I think they used to say that uh, they want to disrupt themselves and basically placing this bet. Okay. So what, um, if, if you, if you, if you look out in the market and you were looking at similar platforms, what would you, what heuristic would you use to evaluate them as um, a viable investment or not? Because if you talk about well, their tech soundness and development progress, I mean, that's, I don't know how you, how you create a metric on that. That is very, very analytic and, and, and I guess some somewhat subjective, um, you, you know, but like if, if you were to, to, to look at competing platforms and say, Hey, this is how I would choose, um, whether this I think is, is something that has some legs or not. Is there any, any other metrics that you can look at? Yeah, I would say that's actually extremely difficult because, um, um, 
uh, I'm blanking on the name of this phenomenon, which is like basically if you, if you assign a single metric to decide on certain things, that metric is going to be abused. Right. Uh, so overall, kind of in the grand scheme of this entire industry, is that you, uh, in order to make the best possible decision and in, in order to uh, fully evaluate things, a single metric or you know a single set of metric is never enough because there's often times where people just uh, maximize those metrics and uh, create this false sense of uh, um, sustainability of the protocol or the ecosystem. And so the more important thing is, you know, like to be able to kind of base your metric, uh, base your decision around a certain metric, but having enough understanding and expertise almost um, to remove some of the tactics or some of the mechanisms. So, so, so basically applying very, very in-depth discount factor to those metrics uh, at the right place at the right time. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I, I, I got to be honest. I mean, I came at this uh, conversation, I prepped from it more from like an end user's point of view, right? Um, you know, how would I use this tr uh, this platform to to trade? And, and what I really understand is, is that you're 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 building a platform to su to support exchanges, um, and th and that's why the you know obviously the 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 technical depth and soundness of the platform is hugely important. Um, I'm just wondering from your point of view then. How do you judge your success? And again, it comes back to what you said, the technical soundness in, de in, in development progress, but you must have some kind of milestones that you look at. I mean, how do you measure that? Yeah, for uh, for Injective Labs case, it's really about um, building, you know, the most interesting mechanisms that fully utilize this, uh, this chain. So one of the few things that we're working on, um, and there are very easy metrics to go, go by it, because obviously for uh, the uh, exchange platform and the chain itself, I would say volume is key, but at the same time, um, you know, volume is also very much of an improper metric because of, um, you know, value creation from those volume uh, really, really varies. Uh, right. For example, like uh, for some of the other decentralized exchange platforms like Uniswap, um, there's almost zero value created from uh, um, all those volume because the fee is directly going to the uh, liquidity providers uh, for compensating their uh, impermanent loss, right? So mm -hmm. it's essentially like a net zero thing. So it's kind of imp uh, improper to call it, you know, like a, a protocol revenue per se. And so I would say overall, you know, it's like true value uh, accrual for uh, ecosystem participants um, after obviously netting out costs and losses, which is, you know, often overlooked in the uh, space a little bit. And for uh, for milestone wise, you know, like Injective Lab is building a lot of very, very interesting, I would say, um, smart contracts and softwares to be able to support this overall chain and ecosystem. And one of the most exciting thing that we're working on currently is an on-chain kind of this market-making uh, contract that allows users to kind of deposit or delegate their uh, capital to this contract. And the contract will execute a set of on-chain instructions to place those market utilizing um, really state-of-the-art, you know, like market-making models that are used by some of the largest uh, proprietary, uh, proprietary trading firms and uh, hedge funds in the world. Um, to to basically be on the same level or, or, or same playing field as these uh, billion dollar funds. 
And that's extremely exciting because first of all, it's community curated. So these strategies can be, uh, you know, uh, adjusted, improved, and, you know, community members can generally create these uh, new strategies by themselves. And on top of that, the, uh, the most amazing thing is that um, the capital uh, can be pooled uh, into these strategies to basically uh, allow anyone to gain the, uh, the upside and uh, really democratize the overall market making process. Because currently within the space, um, I would say that, you know, like like for for a project, for a, a token, for an ecosystem to, you know, achieve liquidity, to, you know, have someone who's uh, uh, actively providing this, uh, I would say, um, critical uh, support of, uh, of price discovery, it's really important to engage with a market maker, but generally like those, those cost burden and so forth is far higher than a traditional market maker or designated market maker within the uh, equity space. And so this is uh, another really, really important or interesting uh, component where basically this market making process is further decentralized as well. That's that's um, a lot to think about there. And it, so it sounds sounds very cool. Um, let me ask you just a couple more questions. Uh, first off, if, if, I, if I'm a developer, um, I'm, I'm looking at different platforms. Uh, why why should I go with Injective, Injective Labs or the Injective uh, Pro? Yeah, um, so for Injective Pro's case, you know, it's a very seamless experience, your keys, your coins. Um, you get to, you know, try out state-of-the-art uh, perpetual markets, uh, explore the leverage, um, really uh, interacting with a fully decentralized derivatives platform. Um, but to be a um, Injective Ching uh, user or community member and so forth, I think that's really where it gets uh, exciting as well, because then at that point, there's so much, uh, there's so much more tools and exposal that was never possible before within a decentralized finance space. Uh, number one is that there hasn't been really a order book based, um, fully on chain um, exchange infrastructure within the Ethereum and you know most of the ecosystems um, um, in the in the space. So with that in mind. You know, like a lot of the DeFi applications, a lot of decentralized exchanges currently, you know, utilizing the automated market maker AMM model, um, which is a CFMM, which is constant function market maker, um, is basically kind of like a capital inefficient um, form of uh, market making um, uh, because it's first of all it's static, it requires a lot of arbitragers to kind of make money from these uh, people providing this uh, liquidity. Um, and so having that dynamic expressive um you know order book based liquidity that is very much obviously similar to what the current equity market global market uh, looks like um and it's also you know very much more uh, representative of uh, general market behavior and um uh, user behavior is uh, is a very critical piece of infrastructure that was missing within the uh, uh ethereum defi space for the longest time and with that in mind you know like um with those uh, order that can be uh, composed, that can be uh, used, that can be um, delegated, it creates this entire ecosystem where you know, like this this infrastructure level tool can be utilized by uh, smart contracts, can be utilized by you know other DeFi protocols to fully fully leverage this uh, um, you know liquidity to leverage this uh, exchange mechanism to le uh, leverage this matching 
mechanism to build very, very interesting dApps um, or applications that are not, never possible before. Sold. <laughs> now that's a, a, a very uh, uh, insightful, but also a convincing pitch on on why the invect, uh, injective chain uh, it, it should should be considered. Hey, um, where where would you suggest if people? Oh, well, actually, where do you go to kind of keep abreast of? Because I mean, obviously, you're focused on running your company, um, but w w what information sources do you go uh, do you look for to keep abreast of what's going on in your space? Yeah, um, are you talking about like uh, in general or like um, like 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 news outlets or like? Um, I would say, yeah, anything that's going to like keep you kind of aware on the technical side of what's going on in your space. So news, I mean, oftentimes it tends to be a little bit more business focused. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you if you want to understand really what's what's going on and what you need to be aware of and, and, and possibly to that will help you kind of improve your platform, you know, where do you look? Yeah, so for uh, Injectives community, um, there's first of all, you know, uh, Governance, which is uh, uh, gov.injective.network. Um, there's also Hub, which is kind of this one-stop shop for like everything chain-related, which is hub.injective.network. Um, and there's some you know stats here and there that's done by like a lot of third-party contributors. Um, and those are kind of like all over the place. You know, could be like CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, and uh, you know like uh, exp uh, chain explorers, um, so forth. So those are pretty interesting as well. And um, for the overall, I would say like industry-wide, um, definitely, you know, like surprisingly, even for like technical discussions, it's, it's a lot of Twitter. Okay. Um, it's a lot of um, uh, Telegram groups. Um, it's a lot of newsletters. Um, I think those are actually very, very uh, important for getting that uh, technical understanding. Awesome. Thank you for that. And um, last question. What uh, what are you what are your expectations for 2022 in terms of uh, you know the the growth of your platform and your company? Yeah, I would say first of all, you know, focus a lot on uh, building those applications, getting it out as soon as possible because it's something we're really excited about. Um, and then uh, overall, you know, seeing the ecosystem grow, seeing um, the overall uh, community member, uh, you know, participating more and more, that's also very, very important as well. Um, and on top of that, really um, basically expanding the utilization of a lot of the application we're working on and a lot of tools we built. Um, for example, there's this tool called um, OffZ that we have been, you know, uh, uh, building a, a very broad suite of tool, uh, 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 applications around. And obviously, it's this you know pretty interesting thing where users can delegate or um, give away the permission or or grant permission of um, executing a certain message um, to the uh, to to another person to another address or and then a little bit down the road in a few months uh, to a smart contract um, to execute those message on the user's behalf. So this uh, this is very very interesting when interacting with the exchange module uh, of the injective chain because then um, people can basically, um, let's say some user has, um, is more of an institutional type of guy or you know, like, uh, uh, doesn't really trust smart contracts, which often could be the case because it's you know, rigid and you know, it, it might not generate as much uh, alpha per se. So that user can grant trading permissions, obviously not withdrawal, not deposit um, to another user 
um, or to another uh, contract to make these uh, to execute these trades uh, on that user's behalf. And this actually like like this is actually a very very crazy feature because there's also a lot more cool, cooler things you can do on top of it. Like um, uh, Injective Pro can totally um, utilize this offsee module to have users grant the permission to like a locally hosted key and users don't have to, you know, sign for every single trade. It, you know, makes trading process a lot faster as well, um, if so they choose. Um, and it also enables, you know, stop loss uh, 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 orders and so forth, like those advanced order types. And yeah, like uh, it, it's one of those, uh, so, so I would say, you know, like this year it's all about um, exploring all the possibilities that this protocol can bring and, you know, uh, building the tools to make it uh, and present it in front of a user. So, sounds pretty exciting. And um, I've been taking like a page full of notes here. I've got uh, I've got some homework to do. <laughs> so, hey, hey, Eric, I've, um, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, to talk with us. I've learned a lot here. Um, I I am going to um, to to make a, an attempt to uh, to tr start trading using a paper wallet on a, uh, on a, uh, off, off of the, you know, regular exchanges. Um, and I'll let you know how that goes, but, um, you, you know, you, you, you've got a very convincing, uh, I guess, argument for, for doing so and your platform. I did take a look, I mean, in terms of your numbers of partners and things like that, I, I mean, how do you quantify that? Cause it looks like you have a really robust community right now. Yeah, I, I, I try not to quantify that. I, I just think about it in terms of, you know, like the applications and like um, the integrations that are being done. Because uh, again, like this space is very collaborative. So um, it's uh, everyone wants to work with each other. So in terms of, uh, um, you know, quantifying that, you know, number of partners definitely helps. But at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, like um, uh, the application and, you know, what these partners can uh, help bring to the injective ecosystem. And obviously every, uh, every partner is extremely unique on that front. Sure. Sure. Well, Hey, again, I really appreciate your time and, um, I wish you the best in 2022. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thanks. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.